Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear from Jesus today? I'm, I'm hoping that's what happens. Uh, I'm Elena, the pastor of our teens, and if you got here on time, you, you saw that a couple times. Uh, and we are in our series, Meant It for Good. We're talking about the life of Joseph, but before we dig into Joseph, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself in good old high school. So basically picture this face in high school, right? Uh, not much has changed. That's what I tell myself. Uh, in high school, I, Jesus was like changing my life. I was in awe of the fact that the God of the universe saw me and had good plans for me, and like liked me. And I just wanted all of the peers in my life, and like the ones I didn't even know, I wanted all teenagers to get that Jesus loved them. I wanted the cheerleader to get it. I wanted the band members, and the basketball players, and the lonely teenagers, and the popular teenagers. I wanted them to get that God loved them. But I felt a little stuck, because I was homeschooled, and so my circle of influence was limited, as I'm sure you can imagine. And so I just figured, well, the solution for this is I should go to a public school, right? Because at a public school, there'd be more people, which means there'd probably be more people that don't know about Jesus, which means there'd probably be more opportunities to tell them about Jesus. So this just made sense. But I grew up going to church and learning about Jesus, and I learned you should pray about it. So that's what I did. I just prayed, assuming that's the answer. But as I prayed about it, I realized that according to the Bible, um, well, first I'll say, my parents really felt called by God to homeschool me. It wasn't like, they were like, you know, we're a little bored, and we just want to hang out with our kids all day long. No. <laughs> they wanted, they really were doing that just for that season of time, because they, they felt like that's what God was calling them to do. So when I thought about that, and I thought about what was in the Bible, I was like, well, according to the Bible, I'm just supposed to honor them. And so if that's what my parents want, I'm just going to assume God didn't mess up this plan, and this is where I'm supposed to be. But my heart to tell teens about Jesus didn't leave. Um, so, so we're going to pause there in the story. And I want to relate this a little bit to our generation right now, our generation that really wants to make a difference. And we want to know we're making a difference, right? We don't want to, like, waste this life. We've seen people squander their life, and we don't want to repeat that. But even if all of us could take a year off and go serve, serve here or in another country and feed the hungry or dig wells, how can we make sure that the rest of those days that we're living count for genuine good? Well, if we have any teenagers in here, I know they're going to be shocked to hear this. I mean that sarcastically, but I'm going to suggest we're going to find our answer in God's word. And before we look at Joseph's story, I want to read a verse from Daniel 11. And I think this has a little bit of a key of what we want to find. It says, the people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. So just reading that, the people that know their God shall be strong and do great things. So if we can seek God and get to know him more as a result of that, great things are going to happen. I heard this on a podcast this week. Do you guys know God's phone number? Jeremiah 333. It says, Jeremiah 33, 33, call on me and I will answer you and tell you great unsearchable things that you do not know. Here's the beauty about the Bible. You read it and you keep seeing it's saying the same thing. Like we just got to keep going close to Jesus. And as a result of that, we're going to be light in this dark world. It's that simple. So we get, we get to call on God. We get to hear from him of what we're supposed to do today to do great things, 
that counts as genuine good. So as we're looking at the story of Joseph, um, take that time to think about what does this tell me about my great God and what's this tell me about the kind of servant that God uses. So <clears throat> a little background. We're going to go into the story of when Pharaoh is having a bad dream. Poor Pharaoh. And it's two years later since the cupbearer has gotten out of jail. A little background on that. Joseph interpreted the cupbearer's dream. It came true. And Joseph's like, hey, don't forget about me because I'm here and I didn't do anything wrong. Um, but the cupbearer gets out and forgets about him. Before that, Joseph ends up in jail because he got um, he was in charge, second in command of Potiphar's house, and the wife of Potiphar lied about stuff he did, and so that's why he got into jail. And before that, he, he was the favorite of his dad out of all the sons, and he had these dreams that his brothers and his parents bowed down to him. He told them, probably not a smart move. Um, they got even more mad at him. They decided to kill him, then they decided, we won't kill him, we'll get him out of this well, and we'll sell him as a slave, make a little money off him, and lie to our dad and say that Joseph died. So that's where we pick up this lovely story of Joseph. <clears throat> Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile. But these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood behind the fat cows in the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up, but he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was just a dream. And the next morning, Pharaoh was so disturbed by the dreams so he called all the magicians and wise men that, of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them these dreams, not one of them could tell them what it means. So what's going on here? God is trying to get Pharaoh's attention that there's some stuff that's going to happen and he needs to know about it in order to be prepared. But his resources, Pharaoh's resources, are not adding up. And the cupbearer remembers, oh yeah, there's Joseph. That guy seemed legitimately gifted in interpreting dreams. We should get him. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved, he changed his clothes. Can you imagine a makeover like that, like before and after? Um, <laughs> he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here could tell me what it means, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. And this is Joseph's reply. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God, can we just all say, but God? But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. I love how Joseph is just giving credit where credit is due. He could have. Guys, none of Pharaoh's people were making this happen. And this could have been such a great time for him to take all the credit, and yet he knows his place. He knows who's ultimately in control of giving him this gift. And so that's what he does. And so Pharaoh retells the dream, and, and Pharaoh again says, I've told these dreams to magicians, but no one can tell me what they mean. And Pharaoh's like, I'm the richest guy around, and yet none of this is working out for me. And so Joseph does what God equipped him to do, and he reveals to, um, to Pharaoh that there is about to be seven years of national prosperity, followed by seven years of a severe famine. And he's, he's making this a big deal, like, Pharaoh, this is going to happen soon. 
He says, this famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God, and he will soon make them happen. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And I don't know how long it took Pharaoh to look around and decide who he was going to pick. He might have looked around, or he might have just kept his eyes on Joseph. But Pharaoh decides to pick Joseph to be the one to manage Egypt. The guy who just a couple of hours ago was in jail. And there's so many things y'all can get from this, this story, but one that I just was like in awe of is you never, if you're in that dark moment, you want to hide, you never know who God is going to use to get you out of jail. Can you imagine Joseph thinking, yeah, one day Pharaoh is going to be the one to get me out? I highly doubt that's the case. And even like if you're thinking about where you're at, maybe it's a job, maybe it's like you want to get married. You don't know what kind of boss is going to be like, I pick you. You don't know what kind of girl or guy is going to clean up their act and be like, I'm going to marry you. Like, you just don't know. But what you got to do is you got to keep trusting the one, getting to know the one that is ultimately in charge. So we're going to take some time, and we're going to get to know our God through this story. You can learn more, but we're going to talk about three different things of what this tells us about our God. The first is God is preserving the messianic line. God is keeping his promise to bless the nations of the earth by making sure that the family of Abraham is not wiped out in the coming famine. Just as God was, was good to keep his word and bring the Messiah, Jesus, to earth, God will keep his word and bring Jesus' return no matter how complicated it may seem to you and I. So God's preserving the messianic line and he is demonstrating his absolute dominion. Unlike the gods of that time, where they were thought to only have power in certain geographical areas, our God is not limited by time or space. He's using these dreams to inform Pharaoh of what is about to come, right? So he's telling him the dreams of the future. He has access to Pharaoh to show him that he is limitless and there is no place that he is not unequivocally in control. Are you acknowledging God's complete lordship in all areas. There's nothing outside of his reach or his claim. He is the God over every politician, every ruler, every desert island, every pandemic, every orphan, every CEO, every barista, every door dash driver. And he is also God of the situations that you might be in where you're like, I don't see God here. I don't see him in the hospital bed, bed or when I'm sick or when I'm depressed. Or, or when I'm in the simple apartment and I'm like, I don't know if God's ever going to get me out of here. We can trust that our God is, has absolute domain. He has absolute power. There is nothing outside of his control. Amen. Thirdly, God is demonstrating his heart for all people, no matter how big or how small. He has a heart for Pharaoh, guys. <laughs> he has a heart for the lofty and ignorant King Pharaoh, Pharaoh believes a lot of things about himself and the afterlife that are not true, and God knows that. Even so, he has a compassionate desire to get Pharaoh's attention. God even assures that none of Pharaoh's worldly solutions are satisfying. Pharaoh must look to God himself through Joseph. He loves Pharaoh enough to compassionately send him a Hebrew slave like Joseph who will understand and explain what God wants to do and how God wants to help him. God doesn't need people to understand his ways 
to care for them or to get glory from them. But God just doesn't care about the lofty king. He also cares about the forgotten slave. He hasn't forgotten about Joseph. God shows us time and time again that he delights in the opposite of what you and I would expect. He gives honor to those we forget. He delights in raising up the humble. He takes those everyone would disdain, but because they honor him, he gives them authority and power. Do you know your God? Do you know that God will find ways to love those that you don't like (laughs) as well as those that you do? God knows the heart of every person, and he doesn't give up in anyone as long as they have breath. God knows and he thinks about and he wants to comfort and bring peace to the alcoholic, to the smug-seeming movie star, to the hardened traditionalist, to the clueless person who hurts your feelings, even the one who is actively opposing him. God, is, God knows that their time is short and he doesn't want anyone to miss the forgiveness and grace that could be theirs. All right, so we know that our God has complete power, he's got a heart for the big and small, and he's preserving the messianic line. Now let's talk about what we can learn about the kind of servant that God uses. Let's see how God elevated Joseph to this position. The first one is, the servant of God has learned to be consistent. In Genesis 41, it says he was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And when Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he went and expected the entire land of Egypt. So he was 30 years old when he was finally promoted, and he was 17 when he was sold into slavery. So for 13 years, he he had been faithful to patiently endure, to keep developing his gifts, to point to God, and to serve those that that were over him. Here's, Here's the principle. Faithfulness and humility through difficulty leads to promotion in God's time. God can cause our competence and consistency to be recognized at the right time by the right people. And all we need to do is be ready. Because you never know when Pharaoh's going to call you out of jail. (laughs) You never know when God's going to show up. And I don't know about you, but, well, I know all of us could relate to this when it comes to 2020, right? So many changes, so many shifts in what we do. And our church, like every other church, had to go from meeting here to going online, like basically overnight. (laughs) And there was a lot that, that happened to, to make that happen. And Alyssa Carlin, uh, one of our lovely ladies on staff, she was one of those people that put the extra time in to, to record and to edit the videos and to plan and schedule because she knew that this is the way that we could, we could come together and keep reading God's word and keep worshiping Jesus even in the crazy. And here's, here's what I noticed with Alyssa during that whole time. She acted like... God had made her for such a time as this. So she kept showing up. Our youth group took a big shift too. We went from meeting here on Thursday to going on Zoom in the spring. And in the summer, we were at Central Park in Grays Lake. And we had a host team that would make those transitions go well while we were here. But Erin Van Ryswick, who headed up that host team, she kept staying steady. She kept showing up so that when we were on Zoom, things could run smoothly, so that when we were at the park, things could run smoothly, and it was safe for the teens, and it was good, because she wanted more teens to understand the love of Jesus. She stayed steady. She stayed consistent. She kept showing up. <clears throat> Back to uh, my little high school, high school days, I, I was understanding that my radius around me, there, there wasn't that many people, but Jesus was teaching me that even though I wasn't at a public school, 
I could look around and see the people that he had put in my life. Like the other students that, I, that were also homeschooled that I took classes with, my little brothers, though they were, they were getting taller, but, but they were a little bit, uh, I was the oldest, but the kids I babysat for, um, my neighbors, my extended family. I was even praying for my cousin's friends that I met when I was a kid. And crazy story, but I was walking around in my grandma's neighborhood one summer, and I ran into one of those girls that I had been praying for. And we started talking. Uh, and she started mentioning, like, this Christian camp that she had gone to and this Christian band. And it was kind of like, like, is she in the club? Like, does she know Jesus? You know, so we're talking. And I think I just straight up asked her, like, are you a Christian? And she was like, yeah. And the world stopped, you guys. I hadn't seen her in years, but I had prayed for her specifically. And I, I was like, girl, I have prayed for you. And I just realized, God got me so excited about the possibility of what else Jesus could do when I just kept being faithful right where I was at. That's what Jesus was teaching me. And see, it's a good thing, too, because I was that teenager that thought I knew it all. Uh, I was a little determined, a little hard-headed, and Jesus just needed to soften me up. He still does, but that was true then, too. Like, he needed to soften me and humble me and teach me to just look around right where I was at. Where do you need to stay consistent? God promotes us to larger things when we have demonstrated that we can be faithful in the non-glamorous small things. And I'm going to suggest when he promotes you, he's still going to ask you to do those things. <laughs> Are you in sales? Are you growing in your ability to, um, to sell and honor God with your job? Are you using your singleness to make Jesus a really big deal? Do you stay consistent and faithful at the job that you don't really like? Uh, in your school and protecting your purity? In your marriage, with your kids, with your friends? You might be tempted to think, well, I'd be faithful if I had more opportunities, if, if I was married, or if my boss would notice me, or if my pastor would do my idea, or if I was older. Teenagers, I'm talking to you. But what I see when I go to God's word is it's not a certain age or relationship status or a certain title in your job or role where you serve. It is people that keep drawing close to Jesus and looking for ways to love those around them. They have to keep showing up. If you're a teacher, you keep studying what's true, and then you keep showing up for your students on, on Zoom or wherever that may be. You, 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 you keep working at that. If you're a creator, if you can make experiences that wow people, you keep working on that art, that skill, even during quarantine, even during this crazy time. You keep, if you're a parent or whatever role you've been given in the relationships in your life or the job you have, you keep showing up for them. <clears throat> the servant that God uses has learned to be consistent. And the servant God uses has learned to be Christ-centered. What did Joseph say? It's beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Now, the name of Jesus has not yet been revealed in the Old Testament, but just like the New Testament people knew it was all about Jesus, the Old Testament people knew it was all about God. The servant that God uses has learned to keep it about God. And if you've been tuning out, this is the time where I need you all to like pay attention because the Father's agenda is not whatever is on your heart and mind. It is about glorifying his son, Jesus Christ. This is why Paul could say, for I decided while I was with you that I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Whether it is through something I say or a skill that I demonstrate, Seeking to look impressive to people is me seeking my own glory. 
God isn't interested in making men or ministries or cures famous. He's interested in spreading the fame of his son. To seek the glory of people is idolatry. We were not meant to be nourished by the praises of men. Who needs to hear that when it comes to social media? <laughs> when people, when we want those around us to be impressed with us, something in us goes, something going on within our hearts misses the opportunity, the impact that we could have. Jesus said himself, those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know uh, David Bowman, but he's my dad, and I'm sure you can tell the resemblance here. <laughs> but I have known him my whole life. And growing up, it was very common to see him help out around the house and fix, fix things up. He, um, he was serving at church pretty consistently. He even helped out with the junior high uh, he was a, like a junior high Sunday school teacher when I was a kid. And this was like common. But what I started to realize that was different than like when my dad would help out and when I would help out is if I unexpectedly, which wasn't often, if I unexpectedly did the dishes, I wanted my whole family to know. Like I wanted my brothers to know because I put their dishes away and they should really start doing that themselves. And I wanted my parents to know so I get some brownie points. Uh, but when my dad would do dishes unexpectedly, which was all the time. Like, we'd, we'd go to bed, and all our, like, dishes would be out from the snacks we had after dinner, and then in the morning, they'd be gone. And it would be because my dad did it. But nobody knew. Somebody giving him applause. Anyway. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> uh, nobody knew because he didn't make it a big deal. Now, I don't know if I said this, but my dad, my mom and my dad, they were the ones that, like, told me about Jesus first. So the way that he was serving was helping me make sense of what the Bible said. That's what happens when we serve others. When we serve others and we don't take the credit for ourselves. Like, no, we're just doing this because, like, Jesus gets that glory. Where do you need to think about <clears throat> Jesus getting the glory? Because it's really easy when you're, like, doing the right things to think, like, like because of how my dad served, it would be easy for him to be like, well, um, that's why, you know, I'm still in touch with my kids because I, I did that. No, like, he gets that it's because of God's grace. See, when we make good decisions, it's really easy to think, well, the reward that came from that is because of all the right things I did, right? Because maybe it's like when you get your paycheck or when you're single and you're loving the time and the people in your life, when your grades are great and when you get those rewards from the wise decisions you get. It's easy to think that's because of what I did. But you and I, we both know that there's a lot of people that work hard and they're wondering if they have enough money to pay the bills next week. There's a lot of people that love really well, and they were betrayed by a spouse. There's a lot of people that are, like, wondering if they're going to get clean water. There's a lot of people that are working hard, and they don't have necessarily what you and I have. And so in those moments, you and I need to be quick to be like, yeah, God gets the glory for that. And we praise him through that. Where do we need to say God gets the glory? When we're sick, when we're single and we don't want to be, when we're still waiting for that positive pregnancy test? when we're struggling in our marriage or with our children, when we're unemployed, when we're depressed, when we're struggling in our job. I don't know if you noticed, but those are all situations where, like, they're kind of opposite each other. You want kids, you're struggling with your kids. You want to be married, you're struggling in marriage. Like, like, at the end of the day, when we go back to God's word, we have to learn to be the kind of people that keep giving God the praise when things aren't going necessarily right. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's, 
it's right when we can look up. We, <laughs> it's a lot easier to, to enjoy where you're at when you're looking up and not around. And that's what we get to live out right now, right where we're at. There's this passage in Philippians, and it makes it sound like everything is possible because it says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And that's the kind of verse that I want to quote to my, if I'm coaching a basketball team, like, I want to quote that to them. We're playing our rival, and we're the underdogs. Like, with God, guys, this is totally possible. And that's true. And I've coached a team, and we were the total underdogs, and we won the tournament. And it was awesome. Like, praise God. But the thing that people miss out on, the, on this verse is that the guy that wrote this, Paul, was in jail for being a Christian. So it wasn't great circumstances that were leading him to say, everything is possible. It was very difficult ones. Paul's joy didn't come from great circumstances. His joy came from his great God. Sometimes the next step that you and I need to take is to praise God in the waiting and in the hard and in the hurting. Sometimes the next step we need to take is praise God even when we lose that basketball game or when we win it. And you and I, we get to do this because we know the secret. What Carla was saying earlier, we know that our strength does not come from ourselves. Our strength comes from the one who gives us that strength because we know ultimately we're going to be okay. And we get to go, and uh, whether it's online or in conversations or with people, we get to go and be that light to others. So back to my story <laughs> in high school. I graduated high school and I was going to college, and during college, I discipled girls. I was a youth leader sometimes. I even got to um, run the youth group here back in the day when it was faith. We didn't have a youth pastor, and the pastor at the time was like, hey, can you run the youth program? And I was like, sure. So I interned that summer, and it was awesome. But uh, at the end of college, I was working at Silver Birch Ranch, uh, working with all the high school girl staff that was there, and it was only going to be until the end of the summer. So I was applying for what felt like any job that would take me. And the pastor of faith at the time reached out to me and asked, would I want to run the youth group here, along with some other responsibilities? They were going to call me like the family ministry director. And I took that job. And over time, I have been able to solely focus on youth ministry. And that was over 11 years ago. I didn't know it at the time, but that heart that God had given me to share Jesus with teens, with my peers, was not going to go anywhere. That heart was only going to get bigger. And guys, I've been in tears with moments of like, Lord, I just want teens to get how much you love them, and I want you to harden their heart towards Satan's lies so that they can go and live out your truth in this world, so they can go and be that light. And what's cool is, through time, I've gotten to tell that the, I've gotten to tell cheerleaders and band members and basketball players and lonely teenagers and popular teenagers from more than one school about the love of Jesus with a team of people that want to help disciple this next generation. I didn't even do it alone. Who knew? God knew. And I learned that I could trust him for the dream that he had put on my heart for when to live that out. Success is that God himself is pleased with how we're making him known as we faithfully keep showing up. Let's pray for a fresh empowering to know the God we serve more deeply according to his word. And let's pray that we would be empowered to remain faithfully consistent and Christ-centered as we wait on God to work all of our hardship 
into his plan for the good of others. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.